Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed, and I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. Now, this is pretty crazy. We are almost at the end of season one. And I would encourage you, if you are new to this podcast, go back and listen to the rest of the episodes. I think that the content has has really been awesome. And I know that I've gotten a ton out of it as I've gone and conducted these interviews. So I know it can move the needle in your business as well. Now, today's episode is awesome. This is with one of my favorite people, and I'm I'm biased because I see him on a pretty regular basis, but John is someone who knows what it's like to go from a small company to an absolute gigantic success. And that hasn't come without bumps along the way, but uh, my friend John has seen some pretty ridiculous growth. Now, what I wanted to talk to him about was empowerment and legacy, because John is someone that deeply cares for his people and he puts them in a position to win and then he lets them run the race. He's not a micromanager. He's someone that that finds the position that you need to be in to win and then he lets you go out and do that, which is pretty amazing. Now, as we talk to John, you know, he happens to be my boss, by the way, and uh, he's someone that I've worked with for a while. And I would say that without the influence of John, I would not be the person that I am. He is someone that inspires confidence and he inspires a winning mentality that's willing to push through whatever barriers are in the way. Now, it's funny with John because in this interview, you know, we talk about a lot of things regarding leadership and generosity and transparency. And I don't know how much it comes through in the interview, but John is one of the most competitive people I have ever ever met in my life. And very similar to myself, you know, John wants to win. But what's amazing about John is that he doesn't have to be the hero. When you'll hear him talk in the interview, he'll talk about how he sees himself as the coach. And there's a company that I'm a huge fan of that's called StoryBrand. And StoryBrand talks about how your business should never, ever, ever be the hero of the story, that the job of your business is to be the guide who helps the hero win. So that's really the way that John operates, even intuitively, is that he lets his employees and his team members be the hero, and he actually comes in as the guide or as the coach to show them the path to win. So we're going to talk a lot today about what it means to empower people. John's going to talk about legacy. If you're someone in this industry who's a leader, you know, it's great to succeed. It's great to get money and all that stuff. But you know what? At the end of the day, the legacy that you leave behind is going to be the most important thing about you. So I would challenge you and push you to think about what is your legacy going to be? John's going to talk about that specifically. Now, the last thing before we get into this interview is I was stoked because the Firetime podcast is now in 35 states. And I just want to thank you guys for listening and for spreading the word about this. So if you're in sales, if you know a dealer that uh, that you're friends with that could use this content to help their sales team, if you're a traveling sales rep and you have a network of dealers that you think needs to hear this, please share it with them. I mean, it's pretty cool that we're already in 35 states, but the goal of this is to empower you all to win and to help you along the way as you're trying to get there. So with all that said, I can't wait for you to hear this interview. We will circle back at the end. Here you go. Joining me from Seattle, Washington is the president of Fireside Home Solutions, 
fantasy football guru and my boss, John Waterstrat. What's up, John? Hey, how are you doing, Tim? I'm good, man. Thanks a ton for coming on the podcast. Appreciate it. No, it's great. I always enjoy talking to you and spending some time with you. This has been great. Yeah. Well, let's get started here. So for people that aren't familiar with you, Fireside Home Solutions is a company that's based out of Seattle and Portland in the Pacific Northwest. And you've been doing this for 20 years? Yep. Just a little over 20 years. Yep. Why don't you tell us your origin story? How'd you get started in this? Well, just like everybody else, you uh, go to college and went to a great college, University of Washington. So I uh, love that place. And uh, getting out of school, I had a business degree, knew that I want to do something in business, but you really don't know what, right? And uh, I'm guiding my son right now. This is his first year in college, too, and said, hey, just keep the doors open. And uh, when I came out of school, I didn't really know what I wanted, wanted to do, but I know I didn't want to travel a ton. And so when I was offered different jobs, that was my biggest requirement, not being on the road, being on flight. So I took a small job in Seattle doing some uh, estate planning. So that was a good kind of a stepping stone to learn about your future of how you do things. And uh, it was a good job. I did it for over a year. And then um, Fireside sales manager at the time, Bob Balder, that's uh, retired from us 30 years plus now, came to me and approached me and said, hey, do you want to come work for Fireside? I said, what am I going to do? And he said, uh, hey, we're starting an HVAC division. Do you want to kind of start running that? I'm like, well, okay, let's just try it out and I'll go there. And I thought it was <laughs> going to be a six-month stop. So uh, I did a quick um, intro to Puget Sound Energy, our gas company in the area. They gave out leads. Uh, became one of the largest uh, lead generators of uh, HVACs at the time when I was first doing it. Our guys did a great job. We followed up with leads that they had, and, and that's really, we didn't even do any marketing at the time. We were just getting leads from the gas company, and it really worked out really well. However, just like in any HVAC business, people wanted gas lines, and they said, hey, do you throw in a fireplace? I saw that you're fireside. And I said, oh, well, great, I'll do one. And every single time I kind of kept looking at it, I'm like, man, this is a fun business. Way different than just putting a, a box that heats your house. I'm putting heat in your house that you love to look at, you gather around. So that's really what started us into that whole idea of a hearth business was it converted from HVAC to uh, a hearth store. That's crazy. And uh, stuff's changed a lot. I mean, I, I remember stories about how, like, the first fireside showroom was – ZC boxes sitting on top of pallets, right? And now we're sitting here in this like crazy premier facility. We have six designer showrooms. I mean, it's changed a lot, hasn't it? Yes, it's, it's just, it's been, I mean, it's changed a lot just from there. I mean, I, re, I do remember those times that we had a little warehouse in the back. We put carpeted on, you know, boxes that were probably four by two and we just put a fireplace on top of it. And then we decided, hey, let's just vent one of these. So we'd vent them into the warehouse so we could actually show the burn of them. But that was our showroom. And, uh, you know, soon after that, as we started seeing our clientele coming in there, it's like, hey, we need to jump in here and really do a nice thing. So we hired a designer to come in and do our first showroom in Kent. And uh, from there on, I mean, it launched. I mean, we, again, like you said, we have six premier showrooms, two in Portland and area and four here in the uh, Washington area. And I'm just super excited about, you know, what we're able to provide people in the in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. I mean, you feel like it's just beginning, right? We haven't arrived. Oh, not not even close. I think the the industry keeps changing and we keep changing and we're finding better and better ways to serve the customer. Uh, this whole hearth business, as we call it, you know, is, is confusing to customers. And we're trying to get out there and educate people and, and talk their language and and really be their guide for what they want. It's such a great business because 
it's something that goes into their house that they get to see every single day that either provides warmth and heat. I mean, there's just so many things that a fireplace does for a home. So pretty exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. So I want to ask you, you know, what have you learned about being a leader as you have scaled from fireplaces on a pallet to now a company that's, I mean, tens and tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of fireplaces every month? What have you learned about leadership in that time? Oh, that's, that's a great question and something I ponder. Number one, I, I don't think you can stop learning. I mean, leadership's one of those things that's learned every single day, every single week, and you got to put investment and time into leadership. Uh, but I, I think what's really changed me is that, you know, when you're young and you're a leader, you really don't know what leadership looks like. And so, you know, the best thing you do is you, you check your ego. I mean, you really do. And you start listening to your people. And, and really what they're, what they're asking for is that, hey, I need somebody that, you know, that can be my mentor to go out there, be side by side with me and, and lead me. And, and that's different, you know, that's different than doing it every single day. You're, you're really investing yourself in people. And that's what's awesome about leadership. And, and again, it's constant change, constant learning. Uh, there's the ups and the downs, and you can't take your highs too high. You can't take your lows too low. You try to be a constant uh, light for your people, and uh, that's what I enjoy about leadership. Just like in any type of sports, you know, I think coaching, those types of things keep leadership in front of you, and I've always enjoyed coaching, and, and I think that's what I do now is that that's my philosophy is that to be a coaching leader and just coach my people and continue to make them better so they can be better for the people that they're reporting to. So Yeah, and I think one of the cool things is an advantage that you have is that I mean, you've done basically every job in the company, right? I mean, you've sold, you've installed, you've scheduled, you've gone out and fixed stuff. And I think that that gives you a credibility, but also be some authority when you're, when you're holding people accountable that you're able to say, look, I've been there before I've been in the trenches and I know that you can do this. Yeah, that's definitely helpful. And and again, it's an adaptable change, right? So it's a little bit of just like what you said, Tim, is just, you know, you have that credibility, but also have that empathy for what they do too, right? So as a great leader, you have to empathize with your things. When you're a warehouse person and it's a tough day out there and it's cold outside in the warehouse and you're pulling gear, I mean, that's hard when you're an installer on top of a roof and it's, you know, raining really hard and it's cold and windy. You, you have to know what they go through, and you really it, that empathy helps you really help them to know that you care about them, and and that's always hard because sometimes leaders come in and just want to make changes, and they don't really know what people are going through, and so that's definitely helped me. And the other thing that's really helped me with you know some of the things is just being adaptable too, right? I was. I started leading right when I was probably in my, you know, early 20s. And, you know, and now you kind of look at it and where I'm at in my leadership career, it's, you know, you have to adapt to people that are older than you, younger than you, and you just have to be really adaptable. And and those are the things that I think really make a good leader is just, you know, knowing your audience, knowing who you're talking to, and really making sure you're listening to what they need. Yeah, that's awesome. And and one thing too, I think about you're in a pretty coveted position. I'm sure for a lot of people listening, they're running businesses and their businesses are out of control. You know, they require that the leader always jumps in, makes everything right, everything hangs on their shoulders. And I think that you would say, I mean, you can be as involved in fireside as you want to be, that you've actually set up a leadership team that can run the company. If you wanted to take a six month vacation, I think that you'd be comfortable doing that. But at the same time, you're still the leader. You're working and growing the company. What what do you feel like your role is now that you have a leadership team, but it's still your job to steer the ship and grow the company? I think that's a good question and, and one that's really sometimes hard to, you know, kind of really describe. 
but the best way I, I can describe it is is that coach. I am I am the kind of the head coach of the team, and I have an offensive coordinator, I have a defensive coordinator, I have a special teams person, and that's my leaders, right? My leaders have all these different things, whether they're production person, running the installation, running the warehouse. So those are all the people, and what I need to do is I need to continue to coach them so they can coach their people to be their best. And so I think when you get that whole reflective thing out and say, what am I supposed to do? And you can't be into the day-to-day. What you needed to be in is, is to the that coaching about – you know, does that offense look like it's really good today? You know, hey, running running by, here are the offensive plays we're going to run today. And so the same thing is, you know, here's where we're going to go with installation capacity this month. Does that look good? And what I do is I try to review those things, give them good feedback, but ultimately still make them make it their decision what they want to do, you know. So put enough guardrails in that they can't make big mistakes, but also let them do their own things to be autonomous themselves. And I think that's where a great leader really sees, you know, that leadership goal is that coach them that way. You don't want to do for them. You want to just guide them and and make them make sure. And they might not do it the same way with that you want to do it, but that's okay because sometimes the way they do it is maybe better. Sometimes it might not be, but the learning is way more important than doing it right the first time. So I think that's the, the, you know, the grace you have to give them to, to be a great leader. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head because when you empower people to make those decisions, that's when you get buy-in. You know, when they're just doing what you say, yeah, they'll follow along for a little bit, but I think that, that you actually create an ownership where they want to go to bat for you, they want to go to bat for the company, and we take personal responsibility because we're put in a position to make those decisions. Absolutely, and I think you you're, you hit it on the head. Yep, empowerment's a great skill that you have to learn, and, and, and there's a lot of trust built in that, too. You and I have talked about this a lot, too, with the trust workshops that we've done together is, you know, trust is giving that full trust to that person and letting them do their thing, so... Yeah. And where I wanted to go next, you talked about guardrails and some of the guardrails that you've helped set up with the leadership team are the core values of the company. And a lot of companies have core values and, you know, maybe once a year they'll blow the dust off of the binder and they'll read them. But I think that this is something that you really believe in. They're reviewed regularly and they're a big deal. You know, why have the core values been so important to you? I think the the core values is that, again, people say that at the very beginning of their career or the beginning of their businesses, they want to have some core values, right? So that's kind of their, their principles. But you have to live those principles. And I think that's the difference between what great you know leadership, great companies with great culture is that we have to live those core values. So again, like you said, Tim, you know, on our quarterly meetings, we review our core values you know, for with everyone, we usually pick a topic out that is a core value that we really want to stress for that quarter. And we, we just got to, we got to recognize those behaviors that are there because they're so important. It's just like, you know, you, if you don't remind everybody, the companies get big and people don't really see it. So we have to, you know, tell people they're doing a good job on that core value, see it, you know, see people in action with those core values. And, and again, if we don't have any guiding principles, how do we make our decisions? Right. And so if we make our decisions on whims or do we, we really believe that's a core value of ours and that's why we're going to make the decision right so so that's it's super important and i think again like you said you know we have to remind people all the time and and keep it in front of them at all times so that we're all making the same decisions on those core values yeah that's really really good you know i had a mentor of mine that told me vision leaks so you constantly have to refill it. And I think that's what you're doing with the core values yep. is, is it leaks. So you always got to refill it. Yep, absolutely. Now, I think the foundation of our core values, we have a bunch of them, but the foundation that I always go back to is the one that is our people are the source of our strength. You really believe that, don't you? Absolutely. That's just uh, that's just such an important factor. And I think 
as you look at about it as a young leader, and I was, again, groomed as a young leader quickly, you had ego involved, you had a lot of these different things, I want to conquer the world, I want to have all these net profit numbers, and at the end of the day, what makes a great company and all those great things happen and why they happen is because you invest in your people, and, and they are the source of our strength. Whether it's a leader, whether it's a warehouse person, it's an installer, whoever it is in the company, we can't do this alone. We have to do it as a team, and everybody has an integral part in this. And again, you know, not everybody's going to buy into all the things that we're going to do, and that's okay. They'll weed themselves out because some people just want to go to work to get a paycheck, and, that, and that's okay too. I don't think I've ever, when I was running install crews, I would ever say somebody, you know, if they didn't want to do those types of things and believe in what we wanted to believe in. I think that everybody has to make their own choices, but you really see when people latch on to a, a common goal that, you know, it's fun to, it's, it's fun to work with people that really want to do that and want to achieve more. And again, if we, if we look at it, we're trying to improve everybody. And that, and that's an awesome piece of what we try to do as our, with our people is to improve everybody and uh, give them different opportunities give them you know if they want to become a leader what what is that path to be a leader and 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 that's fun to watch people grow is an awesome thing just like watching your kids grow it's just every part of their life is a joy i tell people all the time that have young kids or older kids and you know i have one in college now and i'm like enjoy every moment of your kids everyone is a different stage and that growth is what you really remember. And that's and that's the same thing what I believe in, in our people is that you're going to see their growth. And it's pretty awesome to see that. Absolutely. Now, one thing I've heard you talk about a lot is employees for life. What do you mean by that? Well, again, I, I think that people, the source of your strength goes with that employee for life, you know, vision for me is that, you know, if you find a place that you really want to be in, and, and you look at it in this world, I mean, people even ask me, hey, you've been in Fireside for 20 years, that's unheard of. You know, and, and some of the culture changes that's happened through the 90s and, and going into the 2000s. And I'm like, well, that, well that's what I want to be. I mean, I want to work with people that want to be here and make it their career. And I want to help them make it their career, whether it's just being an installer and or being a production lead. You know, those are all available. But what we really want to do is, you know, give people stability. It's cool to get to know people, you know, spouses and their kids if they have them. And, and again, when I was talking about the person that came to hire me, Bob Boulder, you know, he was a person that worked for Fireside. He retired after 30 plus years. He was a sales manager and then ended up working for me just as a salesperson. And if you look at it, you know, one person here for 30 plus years of their career gets to retire. And I still get, you know, texts and emails from him. So like, thanks for letting me, you know, retire at Fireside. And, and that's a pretty cool thing. And I think as, you know, our time goes on, we're 30 plus years now, almost getting into that, uh, you know, 30, 35 year point, we're going to have more people to retire. And that's a pretty cool thing because you get to build those relationships over the years. So, um, you know, we want people to make this their career and their last stop. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think that, I think you could argue that in almost every position in Fireside, if they want to be here, we'll, we'll take them for life. We'll mold them, we'll grow them. And, and we'll find a place where they can hit their stride and maximize their potential. 
Absolutely. I mean, we're starting to see that a little bit now. We have a few installers that are moving into new positions where they're doing job walks and they're called our divisional field operations people. And so they're out in the field still because that's where their knowledge is. However, they're not lifting the fireplace and installing them. They're helping the younger generations learn how to install those. So, you know, when your body breaks down, we have made opportunities for them to, you know, be here for life and run a crew of, you know, four or five and and make that an opportunity for them. So absolutely. Now, switching gears, John, I've seen you show just unbelievable transparency. And I've worked for other companies and I've seen as I've started to speak and and go to these shows and stuff, how a lot of other companies operate. And you show a level of transparency and generosity that uh, does not exist in many places. A lot of dealers are afraid of transparency with their employees. Well, if they see my multipliers, if they see our profit, if they see this, then they're going to turn their back on me or they're going to go into business for themselves. I want you to talk about transparency because it's obviously worked for you. Where does the idea to be transparent and generous come from? Uh, I think the word transparency comes from my training in the trust workshops that I've done and and done that with our leadership crew too. And I think with transparency, what it does is it it really gives the guardrails – the guards that you have, the defenses you have with your people that are off. You know, they're not wondering. So I think when you don't share – people assume a lot of things, right? Whereas if you have transparency, at least they can ask you, right? So if I'm telling people about what our profits were last year, I'd much rather them know and ask me than not know and wonder, right? And I think it's it's an important to me because they have to also be educated on what that what that means, right? So when we talk about profitability, you know, what does that mean? I mean, does that mean that all the money's going to the ownership groups and do that kind of stuff? Well, yes, but what are we doing with it, right? And so when you teach people that you reinvest in your money, we put money away for those rainy days when the economy is going to turn again. I mean, it, you know, we are in an industry that's cyclical, right? So there is going to be a time where the economy is going to go down. So we want to tell them that we want all of the people that we invested in to be with us when things aren't going well. So I think with transparency, there's a lot of education. And I think that's what people are a little bit afraid of is if you take the transparent, educate your people. And and let them ask you the questions. You can answer them honestly. Then I think that's where it all it becomes a great piece because it, you know that's where they want to know. There's no wondering. There's no assumption. And I think that's the hardest part in any relationship is that assumption. When we assume something is when you know communication breaks down. So that's that's what I believe in. And from the generosity side, man, that starts with my wife. I mean, she was. You know, we're super different in what we believe in, in the sense of, you know, my aggressive nature versus her, you know, we call her a golden retriever and I'm a lion. You know, those are the, different. Is that from the treasure tree? Yeah. That, 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 yeah I love that yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. I'm a lion too. Yeah. So you, you look at those kind of things. And so how do I balance myself out with a golden retriever that loves everyone and gives everybody the benefit of the doubt? And I think that's what you have to do in life is that people are, you're surrounded by people that are different than you. And, and that's what it's all about. It's about giving back. And, and we want to give back. Uh, my mother-in-law and father-in-law are still in part of the business. And she runs all the philanthropy for our businesses. And she gives away, you know, a portion of our money to different things. And uh, we're not only now being transparent with everybody about what we give to, but we're also going to give our people opportunities to, if they can't do it financially, invest their time. Because I think everybody can give back. And that's kind of what one of the things we want to put back. We don't want people to feel like they have to give money. 
but everybody can give their time. If we can go paint a house, if we can, you know, help somebody move their gear, some, we could do some yard work for somebody. There's all kinds of little things that we could do to be generous to our communities. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and it's fun to see how that, how that permeates and how infectious that is. Now, going back to transparency, I've seen it firsthand because I remember at the end of the year last year, you know, the, the company did good and, and, you, and you guys gave out these, these amazing bonuses to the team. And so we're getting together in early January. We're talking about our goals for 2018. And on their own, without coercion, the team started to get into a conversation about, man, we are so thankful to work for a company that is generous with the profits that they have. And you know what? We understand that it's not always going to be like this, that there's going to be times where there's an economic downturn. And so we actually want the company to be able to have enough money to make it through without laying a bunch of people off. And this this is my team talking about this. And they said, we're going to make it a goal this year to grow our margin by five points so that the company can make more, they can be more generous to their employees, and they can put something away for when times are bad. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, what sales team says, I want to grow margin by five points? for the benefit of the company because I trust that they're going to do good things with that money. And I think that without transparency, that doesn't exist. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're, you hit it on the head. If we do the right things, we provide the right education that people will, you know, act in a way that really is for everybody's best interest. Because, you know, when it comes to those types of things, we can't be so individual about things, right? We need to do this as a group. We provide jobs for everyone in different aspects, whether again, service technicians, all those types of things. And, and we're a team together and we can, we all win together. We all lose together. But the thing is when we're losing, we want to make those as minimal as possible, right? And that's what we talk about as being transparent and, you know, let's put some money in the war chest. So when those downtimes come, we, we can all still have jobs. Absolutely. Now it's funny as, uh, as I, I work with the Oregon hearth patio and barbecue association as the president. And so I'm always calling dealers, trying to get them to come to trainings and meetings and stuff like that. And with a lot of dealers and even some manufacturers reps out there, it's like pulling teeth, trying to get them to, to go to things where, you know, there'll be a big sales training coming up or there'll be a, a conference and, and the sales team says, you know, well, I don't have, I don't have time. I can't afford to, to get out of the, out of the store for a little bit. I can't afford to pull my top salesperson out and send them to this training. But you sent um, the entire leadership team and a lot of the, the key installers and salespeople to a workshop called the Speed of Trust a while back. And I'm thinking that you took all the key leadership and a lot of key money makers and pulled them out for a day. You flew in Tim Rethlake from Hearth and Home Technologies to come and run this Speed of Trust workshop. And most dealers would say, that's crazy. I can't afford to do that. So I want to ask you, what's your ROI on running a speed of trust workshop? I think the ROI is priceless myself. I learned a long time ago is when you invest in your people, like we talked about, they're going to do and, and invest back. And I and I think I, you, you think back to you know what people need. We all need to have different pieces of education. And those educations, again, are priceless to them. Whether you take one thing, two things, three things out of it, you know, there's no amount of money that you can do. And I think what I would say to dealers that are looking at those things, you know, try something small, right? Try a two-hour training that you could have somebody come in and see how it pays you back in the sense of what your leaders do for you and what you can do for your people, right? That's that's the ROI you get. I mean, there's no amount of money on there. And one of the books that I was reading as I'm kind of looking at different things, you know, what one person said about training and investing in your people on that one, would you rather have people that 
that are, you know, are working, you know, and working for you for 365 days a year, you know, obviously we don't work that many, but as a year calendar, right? Or would you like to invest one day where they can be better people and be better leaders? And if you think about that, if you extract them out for a day, you re-energize them to do better, right? That's what we want to do. And think about that, you know, am I really costing myself money or am I re-energizing my people, right? I think that's a that's a different thought process. And when you think about making your people better, that'll make your company better, I, I don't think there's a no amount of money that can put a price tag on that. So Yeah, that's amazing. You know, it's funny, a couple of years back I was speaking at one of our conferences and a dealer came up to me and they said, Tim, I, I love what you're saying. It's it's amazing that you want to empower people to win. But you know, if we train up our people like this they're just going to leave. We're not going to be able to hold on to them. And I was thinking about this. I think it was John Maxwell that said, well, there's two options you have. The first one is you can train your people, educate them, and they might leave. Option two is you can not train your people. They're not effective. They eat up your salary and they stay. Which one would you rather have? Right. right. I know which one I'd rather have. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, John, as we're running out here, obviously you're, you've been in this 20 years. I mean, how many employees does Fireside have now? Over 150? Uh, well over 150. Well over 150. Yeah. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of fireplaces every month, garage doors. I mean, you're, you're doing this stuff on a, on a large, large stage. What do you want your legacy to be? That's a good question and something that I've challenged myself always to answer. And I think as I look back at it, as like in, you know, talking to this group about, you know, me being a young leader and, you know, I w- again, I had to check my ego at the door. And when you check your ego at the door, it's not about profits. It's not about all those kind of things. Really, at the end of the day, if you think about it, you know, and what do you want people to say at your funeral? And that's what I want my legacy to be is that when I'm sitting in there and and I get to look down and people are talking about me is that, you know, I provided great jobs, a great place to work. I did what I said I was going to do. I went with the highest integrity that I could be. I was super transparent. I gave people opportunities. Those are the things that you want to do. The same things you want for your kids when, you know, you they talk about your you and, and do those kind of things. The same thing I talk about, you know, what want people. And it's not about what Fireside did and how big we grew. It's what we did for the people. And, again, I think you went back, you know, Tim, you asked me that question about people are a source of our strength. I mean, isn't that what it's really all about is that what do you want people to say about you? And if you think about that, you know, uh, you know, Stephen Covey says, begin with the end in mind, begin with the end in mind. Right. I mean, that's kind of what I look as, you know, what do I want my end to be? If you think about what your end is going to be, all the behaviors you have will follow in suit of what they want those people to do. I was challenged a long time ago to write my own obituary as a business leader. And that was a very, very hard task to do and I did it and I look at it now and it's not just because of me it's what what do I want my wife to say about me as a husband what do I want my kids to say about me as a father and what do I want business people to say about me and so when I think about those things I live those things out and when you live those things out that's what your legacy would be you know a great employer that cared about his people that's what you really want it to be about. Now, one part of your legacy is uh, I think that you are going to go down as a fantasy football shark. So every year I get I get asked to join the Fireside Fantasy Football League by John Waterstrad, and it's so innocent. Hey, Tim, it's just twenty five bucks. You can get in. You know, there's some installers in there. And it's just a winner take all pot. Hey, don't. It's just a camaraderie thing. 
and every year you walk away with the pot. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, this is like the uh, this is like the the kids' college fund for John. That I think you're going to go down as a fantasy football shark. <laughs> yeah, well, I like doing that. It's, it's a fun it's a fun group. Well, John, I want to ask you this because obviously you've had a lot of success. What do you do when you get punched in the mouth? I think at, at any time that you get punched in the mouth, number one is that, you know, our, I think our natural thing is to punch back. And what you really need to do is why did you get punched in the mouth, right? What did I do to do that one? And there's always reaction to those types of things. And I'm not saying that you have to be a wimp about things and, and do that one, but you really have to evaluate why did that happen and how do we change it to make it better and at the end of the day, I mean, that's what it's about. I mean, I, again, when you check your ego at the door, you know, it, it really makes it easier to see when you get punched in the mouth what, oh, different things. You know, I like to compete with everybody. You said the fantasy football. I mean, <laughs> I'm the hardest competitor there is out there, and, you know, I like to win. But we can't win in a way that allows us to leave graveyards of people behind us and, and do that one. We really got to do, you know, do what's right and Again, let's let's evaluate that. Let's make sure. And then again, if it's not really what we want to do, then let's just take ourselves out of that environment because a lot of time it is when you get punched in the mouth. It's the it's the wrong environment. And you and I, Tim, have talked about this too. I mean, reviews are hard, right? And sometimes you want to fight back when you get a bad review. But what is what's the right thing to do? It's to make sure we say we're sorry and hey, let's figure out how to fix this, right? Absolutely. And, and and that's what it's all about. That's that's you know, as a heart theater, we're all going to deal with that, right? And so we could punch back by saying, oh, that person is not this or that. But at the end of the day, we did something that we weren't supposed to do. Let's go make it right. And uh, that's why I love you running our retail teams. There is because that's what you do is that you want to make it right for the customer. Yeah, absolutely. Well, last question I have for you is obviously you're talking a lot about when you get punched in the mouth, you got to ask why. You got to take a look at things, and that's shows humility number one, but it also shows some self-awareness. And so I want to ask you for people that are listening, you know, they're all across the country. Some of them small mom and pop dealers. Some of them work for manufacturers, installers all over the board. But for people listening, I want to know what John Waterstrat thinks it takes to be the best. And what it takes to be the best, and as we, we talk to our people about it, is that we got to make others their best, right? Again, check your ego out the door, Invest in your people, make them the best, and then you can be the best, right? So it's not the best person that wins, it's the best teams that win. And as we invest in our people, we invest in the, you know, just their, their success. As we all grow together, as all of us are our best, then we're the best company out there. And, and I think that's what it doesn't matter if you're small or big. You know, if you have one installer and one service guy, make them their best service tech. Make them the best installer, and then you could be the best leader. I mean, so it doesn't have to be scaled at 150, 200 employees. This can be scaled on the smallest area. Just think about making everyone their best. And I think that's where I, I really believe that's the success of Fireside is going to be, is that we make everybody their best. Now, are we all going to have our best day? Absolutely not. <laughs> that doesn't happen every day. But we can, when somebody else is having a great day and somebody's not, we can pick them up and you know help them get to a, a better state. So again, just keep investing in your people, make them their best, and you'll see great things coming. 100%. It's awesome, John. Thanks so much for the time, man. We appreciate you. Thanks. Wow, what an awesome interview. I don't know what you guys thought, but I could talk to John all day. And I want you to listen to that humility. I mean, this is someone that like literally their first showroom 20 years ago was cardboard boxes with ZC fireplaces sitting on top of them. And he's grown it to a company that's doing like tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars every year, you know, installing hundreds of fireplaces every week. And, and you listen to his humility. 
He just wants to help his people win. And I think that's really refreshing. You know, John is someone that's not a tight-fisted leader. I wrote an article last month for the Patio and Hearth Products Report. It was a guest editorial, and the title of it was Your Real Rival. And in it, I referenced a saying that was from a wise teacher that lived a couple thousand years ago. And he said that a good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. And what I talked about in the article is the idea that if you sow generosity and positivity, what do you think you're going to reap versus sowing cynicism and negativity? And you can come back and say, well, you know, it doesn't always work out that way, blah, 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 blah. But you know what? The reality is when you plant an apple seed in the ground, an apple tree grows, right? I mean, it may not be the apple tree that you thought, but you don't get an orange tree out of it. You are going to reap what you sow. And I'm telling you, it is worth sowing generosity and positivity. Now, it may not bloom exactly the way that you think it will, but I guarantee the fruit of that tree are going to be amazing things versus sowing cynicism and negativity. So what I want to ask you as we round out this podcast is, are you helping the people around you win? Or are you just in it for yourself? What are you doing to be generous to the people that you work with, to your teams, to your vendors, to your customers, to your family? Generosity is something that is wildly, wildly contagious. Everybody wants to be a part of life with a generous person. We all do. Are you leading that charge with your team? It'll rally your people to you. I also want to ask you, how would operating with transparency change the culture of your business? Now, I mean, John is wildly transparent to the point where most dealers and maybe even some manufacturers would say, oh my gosh, I can't share that with my people. But I'm telling you, operating with transparency will grow a culture around you that will go to bat for you because they know that they're a part of the team. They know that they're taken care of and they understand that you as the leader trust them. Now, I hope you're challenged by these things. I know that I am, and they will make a difference in the way that you run your business and the way that you rally people to your cause. Now, before we go, like I said, there's just a few episodes left in season one, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to speak into the content for season two. What I'd like you to do, if you have questions from season one, if there's things that you want addressed or answered, I want you to go to the website, itsfiretime.com slash asktim. And I want you to type in a question that you want addressed in season two. Now, if I get enough responses here, we're going to put this together and we're going to use this to frame the content of the next season. If we get a ton of responses, we might even extend season one with a bonus episode. That's just a question and answer, but make sure to go to the website. It's firetime.com slash ask Tim to get that answered. Now, like I said, I hope that this content is helping you move the needle in your business because I believe that you have a voice. I believe that you can do something, that you have something that needs to be shared. And I know that your customers and I know that your team members want to see that from you. So with all that said, I hope the rest of your week is amazing. Maybe we'll have to do a get together at Expo in Dallas this year where we can all meet face to face. But regardless, I hope you have an amazing week. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, 
and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time. I'm all into burn.